Hey, I'm Brandon Evans. I am the CEO of Bedlam Vodka, and I am uh, Norman Adrian Wiggins, class of 2006. Oh, do I do, I do that? Oh, hi, I'm Scott Russ. Uh, I do something here at Great Beard Distillery. Uh, it was my family recipe that created Bedlam Vodka, and I, too, am a graduate of the Norman Adrian Wiggins School of Law, class of 2006. And this rhymes with orange. So I'm excited about this podcast, Kate, because uh, with us today are Brandon Evans and Scott Russ. They are graduates of Campbell Law School and co-founders of Graybeard Distillery, which uh, their one product is Bedlam Vodka. And Bedlam Vodka needs, they don't need another product because Bedlam Vodka has become a national brand. It's been featured on the ESPY Awards. It's been in music videos. Have you ever heard of Jason Dorello? I okay. hate <laughs> the way you just said Jason Derulo, oh, but no. yeah. <laughs> uh, did I say it wrong? No, I'm just making fun of you. Derulo? Derulo is definitely not how you say it. You how do you say it? Derulo. That's what I said the first time. Jason it's always auto-tuned, so there's like a certain amount of margin of error that you're allowed to have. Anyway. He's, he's highly famous. <laughs> he's highly famous. As <laughs> highly <well>. famous. <laughs> Such Swirls a famous guy. Glass. He, all right, all right. he liked their product so much. He liked the way it was branded and the way it looked, and you know he liked everything about it. And so it was featured in a, in a video for him. I think multiple videos, but uh, they talk about it in this podcast. So yeah, I had a great time yeah, up in yeah. Durham uh, doing this interview, and uh, it was a great experience for me. <laughs> the worst, actually. <laughs> I missed this one. Okay, guys, I took the day off. I went to a wedding, a dear That's friend's what wedding it was. in Indiana, and yeah. I missed a very fun podcast in Durham. So I'm about to listen to it myself. Actually, I'm excited. Yeah, uh, I want to thank Lisa Snedeker from Campbell Law School. She sat in for you, and uh, actually, she didn't want to. She didn't want to be a part of this. No one does. <laughs> she just wanted. Yeah, <laughs> she just wanted to sit in the background. But at one point, she whispers in my ear during this podcast. Ask him about the the law. Governor Cooper signed it, and I said, "You know what, Lisa? Why don't you why don't you hop in here and ask that?" So, uh, so she does ask a question in this, and uh, a very pertinent question, actually, because um, yeah. So, anyways, uh, I was really excited to do this. These two guys are are really funny, um, highly entertaining. This uh, and last week's, and uh, we're really on a good roll here. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite uh, interviews that we've done. So. Enjoy it. Uh, we have Brandon Evans and Scott Russ from Greybeard Distillery, and thank you for listening to Rhymes with Orange. All right, guys, thank you so much for being with me today. Um, it's like I always say before I do one of these stories or do one of these interviews, it's not a good business story unless it starts with a recipe handed down from an old Irish grandfather. Um, with that said, tell me how you guys got together and started Greybeard Distillery and launched Bedlam Vodka. Let's hear that story. Well, I'll start. This is Brandon. Um, I had just sold another business in 2016. And um, in, I believe it was June, Scott, uh, we graduated law school together. Scott came to me um, with this recipe. Uh, and... Uh, when we were in law school together, I hadn't seen him in a while. Scott had a lot of hair. Um, so Scott, in 2016, had no more hair. So I felt a little sorry for him. So I entertained his idea. And so um, 
Scott, I don't know if you so want to gracious. talk about so if you want to talk about the roots of hair loss. It, sure. On, <laughs> nice. Honestly, what attracted me to to it uh, right away um, for his his family recipe for vodka was was the backstory, the history to it. And you know, if you look at an analysis of, of today's consumers and how people are buying things, um, you know, they look for authenticity. Uh, no longer can you slap a goose on something, charge thirty dollars for a bottle with with no history, no authenticity to a product and people buy it. People are looking for something that's got, got a history and got, um, and, and has roots. So Scott, I don't know if yeah. you want to talk about it. So, um, I was in a similar place, I think professionally, uh, as Brandon, I was winding my practice down, just kind of just looking for the next phase, the next step. Um, and we just decided to go grab lunch. I wanted to pitch him this idea of a distillery. I had been working on Bedlam Vodka, I don't know what it was going to be called at the time, but uh, I'd been working on this idea, uh, trying to adapt a, an old family recipe of pochine, which was being made uh, during the famine out of rice, into something that I think American uh, consumers would enjoy. And I let Brandon try it, and uh, he he liked it. So... He stopped making fun of my hair loss and immediately decided that we were going to go into business making this old Irish family recipe. Yeah, and the fun part about it is both of us coming from, you know, as attorneys, Scott had his own practice, um, absolutely knew nothing about making vodka. Right. You know, Scott and his family had been making it in his garage in a five-gallon pot still for a while, but... Um, you know, us not knowing anything about the industry was the fun part to me. Obviously, you know, we've got the law background and, and some business background, uh, and that always, always helps. Um, you know, understanding how to how to navigate legal and corporate hurdles helps a lot. And so, you know, the, the fun part for us was not approaching this industry in, in the same tired, jaded route that everybody else gets into it. And really trying to figure out our, our own route and our own our own way and to break into the distribution world, to break into the, the spirits spirits world, and present a business to consumers uh, and a methodology that they're not used to seeing, and is kind of re- should be refreshing to the consumer, which is which was exciting for me to be able to to com- completely start fresh in something we knew nothing about, but to be able to apply the things that you know our education and the things that we had learned. Um, to a brand new process. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, for me, the the best part of this really was um, the, the best parts of law school, the best parts of the legal practice, which was the dig. I mean, it was just kind of latching onto something and digging and, and trying to understand all the details, the the processes, the the minutia, the ins and outs of everything, uh, just everything from even distilling to and it, it can be frustrating. But how the industry works, um, you know, how the consumer thinks about this, the, the regulations, the rules, all the hurdles that we've had to clear, uh, the legal training has easily been our, our greatest asset in all this. Yeah. Uh, but, just, and you can have the, the greatest product in the world. You can have this law background. You can have all of this going into it. Um, but then you still got to know how to market it. You still got to know how to push it you can't know how to sell it. I mean, there's so much take a step involved. back yeah. take a step back you first <coughs> you got to know how to make it first yeah. right. and so I, I will tell you this is that when we started in 2016 there's a big difference between going from a five gallon pot still in your garage to uh, making this on a 1500 gallon still 
Um, and that we, was the first big hurdle. Yeah, and so when we we bought the machinery and uh, gave Scott a nice slap on the butt and said, "Go make some vodka," <laughs> and it started dripping off the still. And so yeah, for, I mean, for two weeks we were here around the clock trying to figure out why it wasn't working. I could turn around back to the old pot still that I had, five gallons, ten gallons at a time, and it was perfect. It was great. But well, let's put it this way: there we have cots in the back room. Because we were here around the clock for at least a month, month and a half, trying to figure out how to make this machinery work. Um, we ha- also have the divorce papers. To, to pr- <laughs> no, we're not divorced, but we probably should be. Um, Is this be- so? Are we still talking 2016 right now? Yeah, still 2016. Yeah, yeah. 2016 into early 2017. Right. Wow. Um, I'm. I told you before we started recording. Uh, I'm no, by no means a spirits expert. And I imagine a lot of people that are listening to it are, are not spirits experts, but we like what we like. Um, and, uh, and reading about this and reading about Bedlam Vodka, um, you talk a lot about the uniqueness of it. You talk a lot about it's rice-based. And you know, I think Irish, I think Ireland, I think whiskey. You don't think vodka. So um, t- talk a little bit about the recipe and, and why this is unique and why this is caught on so quickly. So I think that... <clears throat> you have to have three very distinct things within a spirit to, to really be successful, to, at least to have that, that solid roadmap to success. You got to have a unique product in, in terms of, of what it tastes like and you know, how it's used. You've got to have a unique pro, uh, packaging. And then you've got to have some kind of unique backstory or authentic history to it. And I think these kind of set up that three-legged stool to make for a very unique product, one that's very appealing uh, within a commercial space to the consumer. Uh, And you just don't see a lot of that. When you go into um, the liquor store or wherever it is that you purchase spirits, um, especially for vodka, you've got a lot of pretty packaging and that's it. The, the uniqueness of the product itself and the history and the heritage is really not there. So for us, um, this was really special because this started life 170, 180 years ago as a pochin, which is sort of a, an unaged uh, whiskey or a moonshine almost. Mm-hmm. Um, during the famine, my family was trying to, you know, they were struggling just like any other Irish family uh, to feed themselves. But also, it was very culturally relevant to continue to make spirits. It was, I, I tell people on a tour that, you know, think, think how significant wine is to, to the French or how significant uh, in lore and in history vodka or a derivative of vodka it would be to uh, uh, Russian families, Russian history and, and Polish history. Uh, Pochin and whiskey is very similar to, to Irish families. And so they're struggling to... to uh, figure out how to make this pochine during the worst agricultural disaster that they had ever seen. Uh, and they hit upon this idea that they could import rice. Uh, it didn't trigger any of these crazy taxes that the English were putting on them at the time. It had a fantastic yield. It made a, a really sweet, really robust uh, pochine. And lo and behold, according to uh, the family reunion that I went to about 20 years ago, where all this kind of all came pouring out, um, even after the famine lifted, they continued to make it this way uh, in Ireland with the rice because of, of the way that it tasted, the way they liked it. And that sort of became their their um, their recipe. My, my favorite part of the story is his family actually came to America during Prohibition. Right. So how ironic is that? A little, a little before, 
But don't, at the same, don't, no, don't ruin my story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to come take the tour a little more. <laughs> um, but yeah, they they did come to the United States, um, and I, I think with a lot of Southern families, you you find that prohibition and the depression overlapping give them essentially uh, a perfect excuse to start distilling again. And they did briefly put food on the table, put money in their pocket. And then once that was all over, it just kind of receded into history and it wasn't heard from again until this family reunion. I found out about it, started tinkering with this idea really close to 17, 18 years after that family reunion when I'm winding my practice down and end up adapting it into a vodka. And that's how I I brought it to uh, Brandon. Well, we don't have a ton of time, so let's jump from surviving your marriages and sleeping on couches to today, which uh, oh, I understand. No, a, a couch would have been a luxury. <laughs> it was a cot. You've got, uh, you're, you're coming off uh, gold medal awards at uh, San Francisco World Championships, um, uh, Singapore, and you told me a double gold in China. Is this, That's uh, right. Yeah. Um, the 2016 early 2017 to to now that's uh, in the grand scheme that's a fairly short time so uh you know what what's the key what why is this winning what's what are people in the industry saying about this and how has how has these accolades kind of helped to boost your business well we have a, a saying in in my life and in this business and in this room that you go bigger you go home uh, I don't think any of us are, are interested in playing on the JV team. So we, we started this this business. Um, if we were going to make something that's a unique product, we want to be prepared um, to, uh, to put it to the masses. So we developed this distillery from day one to be the largest distillery in North Carolina, and which it is. Yeah. Um, as such, we, we thought, hey, listen, um, we want to um, progress quickly. And we want to get out a differentiated product to the masses quickly. And so, um, you know, we did in 2017, we were the only liquor served at the ESPYs. Um, we were the only, we're looking at a, an SB, a big ESPY sign over a, over a motorcycle. Right yeah. So, yeah. We were the only liquor served uh, backstage at the CMAs to all the stars. Um, and so. So is that the two of you back there? pouring for well, the events or are it's, you suit it's, and tie? And, it's us and, rubbing elbows. Yeah. Our, our head mixologist and team are, are pouring drinks uh, for for the stars, uh, but it's you know a lot of things in life you know people are afraid to to pick up the phone and just ask, yeah. and so you know another mantra of ours is you don't get what you don't ask for. So literally those those kinds of things entering these competitions, um, going to the ESPYS, going to the CMAs, and some of the other interesting things we've done is literally picking up the phone and asking. What's the worst thing they can do is say no. Exactly. Um, and so that's kind of how we, we approach this. And you Interestingly, know, though, it's, you know, we started this off by making these requests. But a lot of it now is it's, it's been flipped. They're asking us. And so it, that's, that's been a really interesting uh, change of the, the tide, I guess. So yeah. from a marketing perspective, um, you know, we're, we're also looking at a differentiated product. And so, you know, putting this out there to, to different markets, this look at their acceptance is, is what we're doing. And you're talking about, you know, San Francisco awards, talking about, um, you know, Asian awards like the Singapore and the China. Um, you know, that, that's just uh, as we look to expand rapidly, um, we're looking to the Asian markets now. Uh, you know, traditional Asian uh, liquors or liqueurs are rice based. And so we felt like it was kind of 
right up our alley. Um, and that's why we're entering a lot of these Asian award contests and, and really getting great acceptance. So, you know, for us, and I'll actually hearken back to, um, you know, 1L days at, at, uh, at Campbell. And um, that's where the, all my hair went. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Lord still has your hair. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. no, being the, the education there and the methodology there, the Socratic method that, that we were taught, which is literally walk, the professor walks in a room and he's standing you up for an hour at a time and grilling you in front of your peers, um, was, was invaluable for us. And it, it taught us number one, I think we can think on our feet quicker than most average humans because we've had to, um, and just the, the, the type a personality that develops for us is, is really dividends and that's why that's why we're so aggressive and that's why we're we're pressing forward as fast as we can i've got just one or two more questions but i'm joined my my original or regular co-host couldn't make it up here today uh, lisa snedeker from campbell law school is here in the room with us and uh i'd be remiss if we didn't ask actually ask a law-based question so lisa hop on all right dear lord i hope we can answer it so, um, I understood there would be no Socratic method. <laughs> yeah, I'm putting you guys on the spot. Um, Governor Cooper was here recently to sign a new North Carolina law um, that allows um, craft distillers like yourself to expand your business. So talking about expansion, um, can you talk a little bit about this new, the, the new laws that sure, yeah. were recently um, that you know, well, they, they go into effect in September. Um, but, you know, just talk a little bit about Governor Cooper um, Be- and the bill that he came to sign here. Before we talk about the bill, and, and Scott can get into the specifics of it, but one of the things that, that we're really proud to see um, is we, we have a lot of people coming from other states uh, to visit our distillery. Um, and when they come from other states, the laws surrounding liquor itself, not only at the distillery, but also at... Um, you know, just um, distribution and consumption uh, have been just so old school for North Carolina for so long. And for me, it's really, really great to see that loosening up. Um, and this was you know, started with the, uh, the brunch bill um, a couple of months ago. Right. And, and really, this new bill um, even puts us in a more progressive position. Uh, I say progressive, progressive from where we were. And actually, now we're, we're kind of coming up to where the rest of, of the U.S. has been for a little bit. So for me, I really like seeing that. Um, you know, beer and wine in our industry have have really for a long time now uh, have a, had a lot more um, um, flexibility, a lot uh, there, lot looser freedom. reins, a lot, lot more freedom. Uh, but so for me, it's it's a welcome uh, welcome newness. But Scott, I don't know if you want to talk about the specifics of the law. Yeah, I mean, just really quickly um, to <clears throat> build on what Brandon was talking about. It it puts. Uh, distilleries more in a level playing field with breweries and wineries. Um, it allows us to sell directly to the consumer from uh, the distillery. There's no limit. Uh, it used to be one bottle a year, then it was five bottles a year. Now we're actually able to sell what the consumer wants. Uh, if they want to buy half a case, they can buy half a case. Um, but it also allows us the freedom to really showcase how the product can be used and how versatile it is. Um, you know, we only make one product. I unfortunately only had one family recipe. <laughs> yeah. And the way that the law was set up is- You can find some more families. <clears throat> I'm trying. I'm gonna see how, many, how much adoption I can uh, put myself out for. Um, 
if the Jameson family wants to adopt me. Nice. Um, but uh, a quarter ounce sample of the product, and, and that was it. Um, and, and it was hard to kind of build uh, upon that uh, to tell, you know, to, to give them a quarter ounce sample and then say, hey, here's what you can do with it without giving them any kind of uh, examples uh, beyond just a, a verbal or like a, re a recipe card. So now we can not only give them the sample of the product, then we can show them how to build on it, uh, but then we can also operate the distillery more like the destination that it, it wants to be. Like Sierra Nevada. Yeah. Uh, even not even Sierra Nevada. I mean that that's like the Taj Mahal of, of right. But the, the, the point is, it, it, people go there to hang out for the day. And right. Experience it, it, it is a destination. Right. Right now we're we're standing in a in your distillery right now. This is one of the rare times we've actually brought the podcast to to you. Um, we're in your distillery. You the room we're in here is is really cool. It has the 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 motorcycle in it and you know the bottles all around. Um, I imagine I haven't toured it yet, but the the back of it is the actual distillery. So people, you have a sign out front that says "Distillery Tours Start Here." So is that um, people are coming here as kind of I want to see how vodka is made type of mindset? I, or I think it's uh, you've got people that are fans of the brand yeah. and they want to see how it's made. I think you've got people that are just fans of local spirits and they're very uh, curious as to uh, this whole industry and, and how things are made and they. Uh, they want to see you've got tourists that are coming through. They're like, hey, we're looking for something to do for a, a Saturday. And they realize that they're close to the distillery. That We'll take them through the history of how the brand got started. We'll yeah. take them through the grain room. And, and, and all you're that. okay waking up in your cot and seeing tour groups go by. Yeah, and, they poke yeah. at me with a stick. And they're like, hey, can you give us a tour? Wake up. Yeah. So the gold medals are nice. Um, but I, <laughs> I, I And I wear them during the tour. <laughs> <laughs> I understand you haven't really made it in this industry until you appear in a rap video or a music video. And uh, Jason Derulo had Bedlam in his... Uh, this is according to your website, so I'm just going to, I haven't seen the video yet. But uh, how does that happen? How, how do celebrities get, is this, do they have to ask you for permission? Or does somebody text you one day and say, hey, I saw Bedlam in a, in a music video? Or is So this was in, it started in 2017. And music has always been a, a really big um, part of, of Bedlam. And for whatever reason, the iconography with the brand and, and the logo, the double-headed raven, lends really nicely to, to music and so we've had all kinds of genres country um, hip-hop uh, we even had um, naughty by nature Tretch really wanted us to partner with him in 2017 um, so I mean it's, it's it's interesting how many different de demographics and different um, music genres um, really accepted our brand but to answer your question in 2017 we did a partnership with iHeartMedia uh, where we had a couple of music sound stages um, to kind of feed off that uh, the music, um, the, the music collaboration with us and um, Jason Derulo's camp, Warner Brother Records, uh, called us in 2017. That was interesting when you know we had just started the company. Yeah. It, somebody called my cell phone and said, "This is somebody so and so from Warner Brother Records. Jason Derulo wants you in his music video because it fits the motif um, of that particular video." And said, "Can you get?" your liquor here tomorrow in Hollywood for the filming. And I said, well, let me get off this phone quickly so we can go to FedEx. But, right. um, so yeah, we put it in the video or he put it in the video and, um, and started drinking the product actually. And, um, has kept in touch with us and he really, really likes the product. He's time too. Like, yeah. I'd say he's, he's, he's multi-platinum <laughs> right. in multi-countries. Right. Uh, but it, you know, he actually recently contacted us again about three months ago 
and he was putting out a new song uh, called Mamacita, which was number one on the Latin, U.S. Latin billboards, and said, hey, I want to put you guys back in the video. So if you go to YouTube, you can look at the Mamacita video, the official video, and, and Bedlam is all over it, which is, listen, I mean, if, if uh, Scott and I uh, would be lying if we said back in 2016 we were sitting in a restaurant and Scott's bald head was asking me to join him in a business <laughs> Would, would I would I've understood that we would be in a Jason two Jason Derulo videos at that point in time? Probably not. Uh, but listen, a lot of this is 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 luck being the right place at the right time. But you know, we're we're pretty confident that you know with with the right level of um, know how education, you, you kind of change your luck a little yeah, bit. You 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 make your own luck sometimes. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you both for uh, for doing this. I, I know um, you're busy guys, and uh, we had some technical difficulties that we got through. And thank you so much. Uh, um, I'm sure uh, your success story is uh, is going to inspire current law students who, uh, hopefully, not competitors. But my last question for both of you is, uh, <laughs> and you talked a little bit about this already. Bedlam is your is your one brand, your your one product here. Um, are there plans for you? You talked about this a little bit, but what's next? I guess for Greybeard. Yes. So, yeah, the yes. answer is yes. Yes. And why not Redbeard? Because you have a very red beard. Well, so Greybeard. <laughs> we all we all had you have a gray beard. You have a red beard. But actually, this is a Greybeard. So Greybeard is actually he's, a. He's holding a piece of pottery here. Yeah, Greybeard is actually a stoneware jug uh, okay. in old Ireland that held liquor. Oh, and so, New Ireland. Not New, not New Ireland. Hold on. So even, that, Ireland. even that's an Irish well, so, callback. Yeah. Okay. This is uh, an example of a graveyard. It actually, they appropriated this in Scotland to uh, name a company uh, graveyard. But a graveyard was traditionally a, an earthware jug. Okay. Used to hold spirits. It is the precursor to the old moonshine jug. Yeah, it looks exactly the, like yeah, it. Yeah, exactly where it Two came handles from. to one handle exactly. there, pretty much. Yeah. Um, it was just, you know, it was. We're, we're selfish in the United States, so we sit right. ourselves in, in Ireland. You, that's better for sharing. You, you pass off share, that's, yeah. So what's next for you guys? Well, you know, listen, a lot of a lot of companies, and we're, we're not your typical vodka, so a lot of companies uh, have to differentiate themselves, and they do that a lot by putting flavors out there. Um, that's one of the things when we started this company that, that we're, we want to shy away from. We want our vodka to stand for itself. and. If, if you drink it, you'll understand since it's made from long grain white rice, it is differentiated all on its own. Um, and so we want to stay true to Scott's family um, and stay true to, to that recipe back from 1840s Ireland uh, that they developed um, and, you know, really push this flagship product through. Now, that's not to say that one, one day down the road uh, we're not going to look at maybe uh, a darker spirit. And one of the, the cool things about this is um, since it's made from rice, there's very, very little burn in the vodka end. And we imagine that if you age that, there may be very, very little burn on the whiskey end. And so stay tuned for that. And you get a lot of people that prefer aged liquors that are um, adverse to gluten. The fact that it's made from rice uh, solves for a lot of people's problems when they want to drink like that. Well, it's very good. I, I will not say that I've been sipping it during this interview, but it's very <laughs> good. And thank you guys so much. Best of luck in the future and uh we're pulling for you thank you so much thanks it's been a pleasure